Ah. After a long, hard day of work, there's nothing better than just curling up by the fire with a lukewarm Guinness and Fifty Shades of Grey. This is me time. This is what it's all about. <laughs> I'm not going to even answer the door because this is my moment. This is the perfect time to be alone and just reflect on life. Do some thinking. Relax. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. I'm not I'm not going to answer it. No. This is this is my afternoon. And it will not be ruined by petty souvenir shop sellers and what happened. What the fuck? James! Oh. James? No. Are you home? No. It's me, Aaron C. Get the fuck out! Aaron, what the hell are you doing here, man? I came back to visit. <laughs> it's great to see you. Oh. Uh, howdy. <laughs> I, I came back from the great state of Texas just to say hello. Oh! And also, oh. to record an episode. Are oh. you ready? Sure. You didn't write an episode for this week, did what? you? <laughs> That's okay. I've got my tablet here. I'll just look up some dude and read what it says. <laughs> Whatever it takes, buddy. Oh, why are you here? <laughs> well, mostly to see my family. Not you. <laughs> I don't have any family. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess it's probably time to start the show then. Roll the show! <laughs> so think about it. You're Buka, and you just lost the war. But it's your birthday party, and you're there, waiting to blow out the candles, and none of your friends show up, because <laughs> they're dead. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here in the flesh with my good friend and co-host, James D., Say hi, James. Okay, it's fine that you're here, but you have to stop playing footsie with me under the table. What? Come on! This is my favorite thing to do while we podcast. You're wearing cleats! <laughs> it hurts! Because I am naked and my feet are bare and you're wearing cleats. Well, <laughs> that makes it all the better. I'll just do it gently. Oh, all right. Fine. Okay. We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, the person and not the Google Hangout, who do we have this week? Kubla Khan and Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> One of those impressions was really wrong, and I'm not sure which it was. <laughs> Both were slightly offensive, though. And I have to say, it's a very unpredictable pairing. That is true. 
Yeah. Kublai Khan and Jimmy Stewart. So Both from Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So shall we go down to the history lab? Now that we're in person? What does that mean? <laughs> now that we're together I don't know. as people? I don't know. Yes. All right. <laughs> Again, one, a famous actor who sounded like the saddest man ever. The other, one of the greatest conquerors in the history of the galaxy. Who will throw a lasso around the moon and pull it down so you can put it in your mouth and it'll all dissolve, see? Only history has the answer. Zuzu's pedals! <laughs> Zuzu's pedals? Oh, I'm gonna fuck this up. I have to do a Jimmy Stewart impression on this episode, I'm sure of it, but yep. I don't know how. That's all right, well. So, uh, James, tell me, <laughs> if you could burn down any building in the world, what building would that be? Oh, God. Any building in the world. Statue of Liberty. Why? <laughs> because I'm against everything it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> You're against Oliver? Liberty? And... <laughs> I was going to say Oliver and Company. Yes. <laughs> all of it. I'd burn it down. Well, I'd say that's a good pick. Yeah. Well, what about you? Uh, and you can't say Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably burn down... Uh, how do I... Uh, how about... Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. The building. <laughs> uh, I would burn down... Uh, shit, why can't I think of anything? I'm trying not to burn down the White House. I don't want to do that. That's, yeah. that's not cool. Yeah, we've heard that before. Yeah, that was... that was. Are over... you a red coat oh, in 1812? I would, I would burn down Parliament. Oh! <laughs> oh, alright. Going Guy Fox on all of us. Z for Vendetta, baby. There the best, go. The best movie ever made. Stay woke! <laughs> <laughs> Computer, please bring up Jimmy Stewart and Kubla Khan. All right, there we go. It's your line, James. <laughs> okay, so what is Jimmy Stewart best known for? Jimmy Stewart is best known for being a fantastic actor who starred in many great classics, not the least of which is It's a Wonderful Life, mm. a movie that I will probably watch the minute Thanksgiving is over. Hot dog! <laughs> I wish I had a million dollars. <laughs> Speaking of a million dollar hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> what is Jimmy Stewart's physical description? Jimmy Stewart is the most attractive actor to ever look perpetually concerned about something. Uh, oh. He's got the smolder of a true movie star and the ears of a kingly rhinoceros. Uh, I could go on, uh, but nah. And. Alright. What is my butt best known? I mean, Kublai Khan best known for James. Kublai Khan is best known for being one of those Mongol guys. So, like. One of those guys who serves Mongolian chicken at Panda Express? That is racist. <laughs> <laughs> and Panda Express is Chinese. <laughs> American Chinese. What's the difference? Uh, well, there's a wall in between the two of them. <laughs> That's a big difference. Oh, is there? Shit. 
Yeah. I didn't know that. Does Mongolia still exist? Yes. Does it? It does. How can we never hear from them? Because there's literally nothing there. My grandma went to Mongolia. She's like a million years old, and she (laughs) traveled to Mongolia, slept in a yurt, and rode around on ponies. So they have a yurt and some pony? That's pretty much it. What is the capital of Mongolia? I wonder. Does it have a city? It's got it. It has. Yes, they've. Ulan Bata. Ulan Bata. I I don't know. That's definitely what's going on. I I don't know. Do you know how to pronounce it? Nope. (laughs) Not at all. Wow, it's actually a pretty big looking city. Well, there are a lot of people in Mongolia. Are there? It's a big country. Really? Yeah. It's right above China, in between uh, Russia and China. Oh shit, there's a massive statue here. And here's a, oh my god, they have a neon guitar. They have a hard rock cafe. Oh! Welcome to go. civilization! <laughs> okay, so what did Kublai Khan look like? He, uh, he looks like a white potato <laughs> with a forked wispy beard, ears the size of gunboats, and a stupid sad hat. Who was the other guy we covered who had a stupid sad hat? One song of most yeah one. yeah one song he had a, a stupid sad hat it was great uh, great hat yeah 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 a lot of hats lots of hats not enough yeah so shall we move into- let's go <laughs> start the episode roll the show let's go into Jimmy Stewart's early life shall we mm. Jimmy Stewart was not actually named Jimmy shit <laughs> yeah we're off to a great start uh, his name was he was named. Uh, James oh. Maitland oh. Stewart. Oh. <laughs> and he was born in Indiana oh. in 1908. The same year that Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. Oh. 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 1908, yeah. Oh. Little known fact. I see. <laughs> he was the son of Alexander Stewart and Elizabeth Stewart, who mm. owned a hardware store. Mm. Uh, and here's interesting to note. Okay. His parents were direct descendants of a long line of veterans, particularly veterans of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. All right. Just get ready for the most American goddamn story you've ever heard. I am so ready. It's It literally stars Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> so from a young age and being the eldest of three, as well as the only male child in his family, Jimmy was expected to inherit and continue to run the hardware store when he grew up. Sure. But Jimmy had other plans. Whoa. Like getting music lessons. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> that's not American, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Uh, but his father said to him one day, Jimmy, I'm offering you a chance at running a hardware store. There's literally nothing better you could do with your life. Fuck music! <laughs> Get back to rolling up your sleeves and applying that elbow grease. Oh, oh. But Jimmy, like I said, had other plans. Mm. Mm-hmm. He got his hands on an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible start. Yes. And, okay. dis- and despite the head shaking and disappointed size of his father, he learned to play that thing like a frickin' king. Oh, well, okay. There yeah. we go. So, he's, he's got a little bit of music talent, you know? It's- I don't know what that means in Indiana or Pennsylvania. I can't remember where he was at this point. He's out in the boonies with an accordion. Yeah. That's all I've got. Just Jimmy Stewart with an accordion. (laughs) Yeah. 
So Jimmy went to a school uh, that was a prep school, uh, of course, <laughs> and was obviously involved in all the classic activities of your early 20th century American lad. Mm, okay. He played football. Nice. Ran track. Check. Edited his yearbook. Perfect. Participated in a literary society. Uh-huh. Glee club. Oh. And choir. Ah. Those are different, apparently. <laughs> gotcha. He did it all. Oh, wow. And during his summers, Jimmy worked for a construction company painting road lines and later became an assistant to a magician <laughs> <laughs> and appeared in his first play where his father presumably stood in the back looking deeply disappointed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically how this podcast works for both. <laughs> Our dads are just like, what, you know what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know what the problem is? Huh. We don't have accordions. That's If the... we both... Think of this. Like, you could tell your part of the story, and yes. I could be doing accordion music <laughs> in the background, and then we just switch. I think that's what we got. That That's the next step. So yep. donate on Patreon <laughs> right now so we can get some accordions. <laughs> Cheap ones work. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, or what was it called? A melodic melodic? Is that what it's called? The thing you blow through? It's like an accordion. Melophone. I know a lot of things you can blow through, <laughs> and that's not ringing a bell. Yeah, like a package of Oreos, <laughs> <laughs> or a bag full of Burger King burritos. Oh, don't tempt me. Uh, I, I shan't. But anyway, so Stuart was doing all this stuff with school, mm -hmm. and he spent whatever free time he had building things and working with chemistry sets. Ooh. Because he was, like, the most successful American right. boy ever. he do it all. Yeah. He actually wanted to become a pilot inspired uh, by our boy Charles Lindbergh. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah. Very yeah. inspirational. Where's my daughter? <laughs> uh, well, it was his son, wasn't it? Oh. <laughs> well, sex change, unbeknownst oh, to you. Oh, God. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying. Yeah, he was inspired by Charles Lindbergh. Yeah. So, the pathway into that life, uh, to becoming a pilot, mm -hmm. that is... Uh, was best served often by joining up with the Navy. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Jimmy's father insisted that he, you know, go to Princeton University instead. That's basically like joining the Navy. Just the same. Yeah. So he does uh, and studies architecture and designs a friggin' airport. Like, take that, Dad. <laughs> I will get my planes no matter what you say. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so this, this airport design gets him a scholarship to get uh, his master's degree. Hmm. But nah, Jimmy has been spending a lot of time with the liberals. No! And his pathway shifts into drama and music. By God. <laughs> so while studying at Princeton, he's also playing the accordion and acting. Jesus. Yeah, and he ends up sharing an apartment with none other than Henry Fonda. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, so uh, humble beginnings, wow. I guess. We're still in his early life and he's done more than... I've ever done. Yeah, he's, he's done more than I ever hoped to do. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, he ends up playing the part of a chauffeur in a Broadway show called Carrie Nation. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a propaganda film for the Ku Klux Klan. What? What? <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Jim Carrey. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> so anyway... <clears throat> He's on. He's playing a chauffeur. Yes. In a Broadway show called mm. Carrie Nation. Mm -hmm. This part has him on stage for like three minutes total, <laughs> but critics absolutely loved him. Damn. And despite this, it was hard for him to get roles uh, because it turns out breaking into acting is hard, even if you're Jimmy Stewart. Sure. <laughs> but 
He's Jimmy Stewart, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so his slow period doesn't last long. He ends up getting the attention of a Hollywood higher-up who asks him to do a screen test for a motion picture, see? Mm. And of course, he just nails it. Of course. So he's off to Hollywood, <laughs> where he starts living in studio-supplied housing, which I'm assuming just means he lived in a closet. Of course, yes. <laughs> While living in said closet, Jimmy Stewart appeared in a lot of really minor roles, hmm. but that's just how it starts, baby. Sure. He strikes up a professional relationship with an actress named Margaret Sullivan, who was Henry Fonda's ex-wife, oh. uh, who encouraged him to embrace his shy and boyish mannerisms on screen. Huh. She's convinced that he'll steal more hearts that way. Mm, wonder where this is going. Yeah, you don't you don't know? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Only the Buddha knows. Mr. Potter <laughs> will tell us. <laughs> Mr. Potter. <laughs> anyway, so this this lady, uh, Margaret Sullivan, is connected to this agent named Leland Hayward, mm. who is like a big to-do about Hollywood town. Mm. Uh, so Jimmy Stewart's acting career is finally taking off! Sweet. But it's 1938, and you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Uh, to the Titanic. Uh, the, yes. The event. The, the Titanic. The, movie. the Titanic sank in 1939. Yes. Um, little known fact. It started World War II. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. September 1st. The sinking of the SS Lusa Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh. at this point, Jimmy Stewart is 30. Ooh. Right, And he finally gets his shot at fame and success. Hmm. He stars in Frank Capra's You Can't Take It With You, hmm. and then stars in, I keep saying starts instead of stars, oh. and in the not oh. script. Um, he's, right. Yes. He it's then, a tattoo on my belly that he's reading. Yes. <laughs> I change it every week. It's not a script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just, you know, cut away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he also stars in Frank Capra's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, nice. which I have seen. Have you seen it? I have not, but I've heard it's just a great movie. It is just a great movie. Wow. How, what else have you heard? Uh, not much. <laughs> it's right there. Oh, oh, well, on my belly. <laughs> it's probably literally the most american thing you could ever watch yes did it win anything uh yeah some okolities <laughs> accolades and did it actually become a box office success it did it was a huge box office success and tell me what jimmy stewart got from it he got a nomination for best actor at the academy awards shit which back then meant something <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jimmy Stewart's old dad is still begging the boy to give up the glitz and glamour of the Hollywood lifestyle and just come run the hardware store with oh, him. Which is so, so sad. It is sad. He wanted him to lead a decent, common life. Mm. Instead of riding this success train all the way to international fame. Sure. Which, make of that what you will, you gotta feel sorry for the dad a little bit. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean... I'm just imagining this old guy in a dusty apron sweeping his hardware store. He bends to pick up a piece of trash and his wallet tumbles out of his pocket. A photograph of father and son comes loose. Simpler days. What about the hardware store? I'm getting old now and my boy is off making his billions. Will he forget about me? Will he forget about Indiana? A newspaper blows by and catches on a lamppost. It says, Jimmy Stewart stars in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. An instant classic. 
Jimmy plans to... But I can't think about it anymore. I just want my son to come home. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Deanna. (laughs) I actually don't think he was in Indiana at this point. I think it was Pennsylvania. I know that. Oh. I was just bringing up an important point. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. (laughs) Meanwhile, his boy Jimmy is touring Europe in 1939. Ah! Good. And he gets back at around the same time that... Do you know what time it is, James? What? It's time for World War II! No! So, um, it's 1939, and Hitler invades Poland. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, the Poles started it. And that's when Jimmy Stewart stars in his first Western film. Destry Rides Again. I thought it was Destiny, but it's actually Destry. What does Destry mean? I think it's a name. Oh. Maybe. (laughs) What does it mean? (laughs) It's like destroy, but without the O. Okay. Got it. Destry. Destry. (laughs) During the filming uh, filming of which he had a fling with none other than Marlene Dietrich. Saucy. Which isn't saying much because Marlene Dietrich was a damn fine woman and got around quite a bit. Saucier. Uh, I actually love her to death. Oh, oh! She's my old movie celebrity crush. And wow. she has an amazing life, and I want to cover her sometime. Because she wouldn't cover herself. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> now with you around, is that what you're saying? Uh, what, what are you implying? I just want to be friends with her. <laughs> This has got to stop. Now, <laughs> we'll move on then. All right. Jimmy is an American. Good. So, uh, d- he decides to star in his first anti-Nazi film. His first? Which was called Mortal Storm. Ooh. This movie was about a pair of lovers caught in the chaos of Hitler's rise to power. Hmm. Not so different from my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Sure. Uh, but if it doesn't involve Jimmy Stewart using a lasso to tie up a group of Nazis... Uh, and turning them over to the police, I have no interest in watching. <laughs> yeah, well said. Yes. <laughs> Arrest those men! <laughs> <laughs> so then Stewart wins Best Actor, actually beating Henry Fonda, who was starred in oh. The Grapes of Wrath the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he won it for his role in The Philadelphia Story, hmm. which I also haven't seen. Um, get this, he gave the the golden statue or whatever the hell it is right to his dad oh oh yeah <laughs> who promptly put it on display in the hardware store <laughs> <laughs> now when you say golden statue yes i'm thinking bail yeah the old canaanite god yeah a golden statue or buddha either one that yes is now just in this hardware store it's a combination it's okay. just a it's just a cow with a man's head. It's called Belda. You should check it out sometime. <laughs> Belda Bear Workshop. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, this tiny golden man mm. was nothing compared to his tiny golden man. Oh no. Um, which is to say, his son Jimmy. Ah yes. When would he come home? Oh. Would he ever come home? Dad sits down in the back after hours and sips whiskey, listening to the radio bark about the coming war with Germany between blips about his own son, a boy born in Indiana, becoming a famous movie star. Oh. Yup. And in 1940, amidst all that success, Jimmy Stewart has a brush with his own ancestry. Mm. By which I mean he gets drafted. Shit. Yeah. 
But that's where we'll leave him for now. And when we come back, we'll be talking about his adult life, even though he's 32. But this generation, people don't become adults until they're 35. So Wait, this generation or our generation? Our generation. We don't have adults in our generation. Yeah, we don't have adults. We just have sickly child kings. Sickly Twitter children. Yep. (laughs) Tweeting about how sad they are and how depression isn't a choice and all that good stuff. Happiness is a choice, James. Yes, a choice we can believe in (laughs) now that (laughs) Oprah is president. (laughs) Blessed be her name. (laughs) Yeah. Bees. (laughs) Social spells. So, do you want to take a break or should we move on into Kubla Khan's early life? Let's just roll on into it. All right, let's roll right into Kubla Khan's early life. Okay. And you know what we gotta do, Aaron? What? Context. Uh-oh. Yep. I hate context. Because I it do. makes things complicated. It does. And it makes you smarter, it which we does. don't want. Because then you'll figure out that you're actually a dog in a human skin trying to pass off as a actual living human boy. Well, my eyelids were just lifted. <laughs> so bark the rest of the episode. Ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's uh, so bad. All right. Context. So there's this guy. Okay. You may have heard of him. Uh. His name is Genghis Khan. Okay. Also sometimes <laughs> called Genghis Khan. Why? I don't know which one it is, but is I it was... both? Can you say both? Genghis? You might be able to. I'm going to go with Genghis Khan. All right. Because that's how we Americans talk about it. That's how I always heard it until somebody I know started watching Marco Polo or whatever the hell that show was. And then he started saying Genghis like a goddamn jackass. Well. Is it Genghis? I don't know. I was listening to a podcast about Mongolian history like you do. And (laughs) he said it was Genghis. Oh. But, I don't know, Genghis just... Which one sounds more ominous? Uh, probably not Genghis. Genghis. Genghis just wants me to... Just makes me want to play uh, Jenga. True. Yeah. Isn't that basically what Genghis Khan did his whole life? True. True. Just playing human Jenga. <laughs> Just take one out and hope the rest don't fall over. But if they do, no big deal. It's conquest. Yeah. Yep. So was Genghis a Mongol? Genghis Genghis was a Mongol. And who are the Mongols? Well, the term Mongol is basically a super easy and lazy way to label a whole host of tribes and confederations that lived in what is now what we call Mongolia. But James. What? Does Mongolia still exist? No. We call it (laughs) South Dakota today. (laughs) That's false. All right. uh, Sort of. Anyway, someday we'll cover the complexities of these tribes and how Genghis united them all because there are there are actually some pretty crazy stories about this Ooh. and the early life of Genghis is made up. I'm telling you, it's insane. It's made up? No, it's not made up. It just sounds made up because it's ridiculous. Oh, God. Yeah, this, this kid was insane. <laughs> Name one crazy thing he did. Um... I can't. Okay, shit. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> all right. Because it, it's all... Connected. It's all connected, man. Okay. Connect the dots. Just like Jenga. Yes. <laughs> Unless you're bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, connect the dots, pull the blocks. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> doesn't rhyme, but it does whine. That doesn't rhyme either, <laughs> you stupid mime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> okay, so what... 
what Genghis Jengus does. <laughs> you have to call him Genghis Jengus. I'm going to call him that for the rest of the show. <laughs> so Genghis Jengus, he manages to unite the Mongolian tribes. Which is a hideous oversimplification, <laughs> but the dude does it. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, by 1206 AD, at the age of like 44, Genghis Jengis was the ruler of the brand new baby Mongolian Empire. Aww. Yeah. His, Look at his him. little baby. What was his first word? Um, kill. <laughs> <laughs> kill. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now that all these Mongol tribes have stopped fighting and have joined arm in arm in friendship, they're ready and totally capable of expanding. Hurrah! Hooray! And basically, Genghis Jengis tells his boys to just invade fucking everywhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, so their first target was the Shia dynasty in western China. And the Mongols win! Uh... Good yep. for them. Then the Mongols attack the Jin Dynasty in eastern China, and the Mongols win! Jeez. Uh, uh, then the Mongols went westward for the first time and came across the Karakata Khanate, which occupied uh, nowadays very western China and parts of Kazakhstan, and the Mongols win! <laughs> score one for the Republic. <laughs> not, not a Republic, but uh, score one. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this marks an important part in Mongolian history because now the Mongol Empire borders a primarily Islamic land for the first time. Uh-oh! Namely, the Horizim Empire. How did you know how to pronounce that? Because I heard it on a podcast. I, I want you to know, everybody, that it's actually spelled Quarazm. Quarazm? Quarazm. Ah, yep. No, it's named after a whore. The Horizim Empire. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so the Horizon Empire, uh, in today, it's uh, it's all the Stan countries, right? right? Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, those countries that we don't care about. They're all jumbled together, former Soviet. Every once in a while, you know, a missile will show up, and we're like, where did that come from? And the Kremlin's like, I don't know. Anyway. It was probably Stan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, and his parables. <laughs> Parable. <laughs> Stanley Parable. I don't oh, know. Okay. That was a horrible reference. Okay, so anyway, back to Genghis Jengis. He doesn't want to fight the Horizon Empire. So instead, he sends a trade caravan there to deliver some goodies. Right? Good idea. And uh, some Horizon governor just attacks the caravan and loots it and kills the dudes. That seems like a bad move. Yes, yeah. So Genghis Jengis sends some diplomats, and the diplomats are murdered! Oh, God! Yeah, so the Mongols just decide to invade the Horizon Empire. Uh, yeah, yeah Like, third strike, you're done. Yeah. And the Mongols win! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sometime during this invasion... Genghis Jengis takes a quick break to attend to some family matters. <laughs> and, uh, Just imagine him, like, walking out of the set of family matters. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm home! It's Genghis Jengis! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he, like, pauses in the doorway and smiles at the camera. He walks in, trips over the ottoman, and everyone's <laughs> laughing. <laughs> it's Genghis Jengis' show! Oh, uh-oh! <laughs> Alright. Alright. Okay, so it turns out that Genghis Jengis' grandsons, Monk and Kublai Khan, yeah. our dude, 
are hunting together. So his little grandchildren are out hunting, which is fine because they're like nine years old. Um, right, right. Which is what you just do when you're a Mongol. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there he is, everybody, our boy Kublai Khan. This is how he first shows up in history. All right. And he just killed a rabbit. And an antelope. This is in the historical record. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So we're off to a good start. Anyway, uh, Kubla and his older brother, Monk, uh, bring these dead animals to old grandpa Genghis Genghis. Uh Uh-oh. And Genghis Genghis responds by smearing the fat of the dead animals onto Kubla's middle finger and Uh stating, The words of this boy Kubla are full of wisdom. Heed them well. Heed them, all of you. Oh my god. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Was that like a like a traditional thing to smear fat all over people's... Nope. ...flipper finger? Yeah, no, it definitely was. Oh, it, was okay. it was a Mongolian tradition. Oh, okay. Now, this story may not have happened. Typical. Fair enough. It may have popped up later as propaganda, but... There you go. Who doesn't want Mongolian fat on your middle finger? Uh, uh, the Chinese... No. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So Kubla, little Kubi, okay. <laughs> is now in the picture, but he's only nine years old at the moment. So let's go back to his grandpa, Genghis Genghis. Okay. So then Genghis Genghis and the Mongols invade Georgia, not the state, the country. Oh, okay. And the Caucasus, and the Mongols win! <laughs> Then they do some intense raiding over in Russia, uh, because why the hell not? Oh, man. Uh, again, we'll get into all of this someday, but for now, the point is that Genghis Genghis Khan is dead. What? What? He died. Yes. Damn. He died in 1227, and we don't know how. He's Genghis Genghis Khan? Yep, yes. And we don't know how he died? Nope. Many ideas, but nothing for sure. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, but what we do know is that he is eventually succeeded by Ogade, who was his third son. Uh, the other two older sons were basically hot-headed losers. Ah, fair enough. Yep, so Ogade, third dude, gets it. And Ogade became the second great Khan in 1229 and ruled until 1241 until he died. Do we know how he died? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> don't remember. <laughs> Fair enough. Not important. <laughs> oh, die. More like, oh, die. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, but under Ogaday, uh, under his leadership, the Mongol Empire reached its greatest extent, reaching from Korea in the east to the Baltic Sea in the west, Siberia in the north, and Persia in the south. Wow, that's like the second biggest empire of all time. It is the second biggest empire of all time. Second only to the British Empire. Correct. So pretty freaking big. Pretty freaking big indeed. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So we'll cover Ogede some someday too, I'm sure, because he's actually a pretty cool dude. Okay. Um, I, I like I like him. In many ways. We'll cover Ogaday some Ogaday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but for now, he's dead. Okay. And then the Empire goes to his wife, Torajin, for a few years, which is interesting to note. Um, the Mongolian wives would rule often, which in the 1200s, you know, never happened. Are you telling me the Mongol hordes were progressive after all? <laughs> they were more feminist than modern-day feminists. Uh, oh. That's not true. <laughs> That's a lie. 
But it is interesting. Okay, good to know. Yes. Anyway, so Torijin, his wife, rules for a few years until her eldest son, Gayuk, is old enough to take power. And he does so in 1246 and becomes the third great Khan. But then he dies two years later. Oh, fuck. Yep. <laughs> okay. So his wife takes over, makes some controversial decisions, and then is wrapped in felt and flung into a river. <laughs> What were the controversial decisions? Don't know, don't care. Okay. (laughs) I actually don't remember. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Then Monk, who is a grandson of the great Genghis Genghis Khan, takes over and becomes the fourth great Khan. That's a lot. Yes. (laughs) So now that we've got that, let's see what Monk's younger brother Kubla, little Kubi, is up to. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. So through this whole Mongol Empire expansion thing, Kubi is growing up, and because he's of the royal family, he gets land and households to take care of pretty much right away. Wow. Yeah. In fact, he is given parts of China and several thousand households to tax, arm, protect, muster, etc. Okay. And things pretty much just blow up in his face. Oh no! Yep, he's in his upper teens or early 20s at this point, so that's not too surprising. But anyway, corruption in Kubla's land goes rampant. A bunch of his Chinese peasants die or flee, which means his tax revenues plummet as well. But Kubi, being the quick-thinking son of a bitch that he is, immediately revises the tax laws so many of the peasants return. Blah, 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 he's growing up. Okay. And he's learning. Well, okay. Yes. Chinese history has a lot of violence and oppression in it, doesn't it? Yeah. Being a Chinese peasant any time in history (laughs) is not good. Not ideal. Nope. Anyway, during his early life, Kublo was not really trained in the traditional Mongol way, but instead he just ate up Chinese culture. Literally? Yes. Oh. He ate the Great Wall of China. (laughs) The one you see now is a replica. Oh, God. No, but this is important. Okay. Okay, so he's, he's going towards the Chinese way instead of the traditional Mongolian ways. Uh, he invited Buddhist monks, Chinese scribes, and all sorts of other Chinese thinkers to teach him and advise him on Chinese culture rather than Mongolian culture. Interesting. Which might cause some issues down the line, but for now, all is good, and our dude is learning. So Kubi's growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And he's learning. Yep. Okay. So as I said earlier, Kublai's older brother, Monk, becomes Great Khan in 1251, and rewards Kubla for his loyalty by giving him a big chunk of Mongolia and North China to rule over... And basically, Kubla just does a stellar job. Nice! He boosts the agricultural output of the region, which is boring. He resolved some disputes. He increased social welfare spending, like Bernie Sanders. And he kept the peace. Okay, so he's the Mongolian Bernie Sanders. Exactly. That's what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, it's like if you put Santa... Genghis Genghis and Bernie Sanders in a blender, (laughs) your smoothie would be a Kubla smoothie. Kubla... Khan in a can. <laughs> Kubla can. <A> Kubla can. <laughs> yes. Anyway, what's important is that the Chinese people and the lords are really starting to love Kubla. Interesting. Which is interesting. Hmm. We'll get to that later. Uh-oh. <laughs> in 1253, Kubla, under Monk's orders, led the invasion of the Dali Kingdom, which was in the very southern tip of China. And the Mongols <laughs> win! <laughs> 
So now Kubla has some good old war experience under his belt. Yes! Which, never mind, not gonna make that joke. So then <laughs> Kubla joins the crowd of upper-class suburban moms and West Coast hipsters and started really getting into Tibetan monk healing. <laughs> Does it work? Maybe. <laughs> but not approved by the FDA. Oh, okay. Uh, so he starts some healing schools, which is not important. Meanwhile, older brother Monk is getting a bit worried about the success of his younger brother out east in China. Yeah. So Monk executes some Chinese guys uh, whose loyalty was in question. And Kubla quickly heads to Monk's court to apologize for any misconception and to swear fealty again. And Monk forgives his little bro and the two move on. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. He yeah. was apologizing for exploring another culture? Kind of. Yeah. And it was just... When you're in power, it's always a little worrisome when your younger brother is rising in fame. Oh, I guess that's true. Yep. I wouldn't know. <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> that's just mean. <laughs> yep. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, brother. <laughs> anyway, so what better way to keep the family united than to kill people together? <laughs> no better way. True. So Monk and Kublai gather their forces to invade the Song Dynasty in eastern China. Ooh. But then Kublai gets the old gout, <laughs> so he asks if he can stay home, and Monk says, sure, Kublai, you can stay home. Ah. But wait! Shit! Kublai decides that home is boring, so he joins the campaign anyway, while riddled with gout! <laughs> oh, God! Which is good, though, because oh. during one of the sieges, Monk, his older brother, and the Great Khan... Dies. Oh, shit. Yeah, but here's the thing. The death is kept a secret, so none of the Mongol soldiers, or anybody at all, knows that the Great Khan is dead, except for Kublai and the Mongol one percenters. Oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway, the Mongols win the invasion. Oh, I mean, the Mongols win! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Kublai gets a text from his wife that says... Hey, honey, your younger brother, Buka, was just voted the new Great Khan, and pretty much everybody supports him. Uh-oh. And Kublai doesn't like this shit, because he is older, and better, and he should have the throne. Right. So now there's gonna be a Mongol Civil War. <laughs> and we'll return to that later. I love this so All far. right. I'm learning so much. Arya, <laughs> Mongolia is still a country, apparently. <laughs> I gotta take a break, though. Yeah, I think it's time to take a quick break. Uh, so, yeah, audience, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be getting into Jimmy Stewart's adult life and learning about America. Mm, mm, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, um, yeah, that's right, Yoda. Sure. <laughs> Uh, should we leave the listeners with a philosophical question to mull over in this break? This yes. seven second break? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. What do, you, what do we say? Uh, uh, what, what happens if, say, the planet, the, uh, this universe really, it really is a simulation, like all the smart people are saying? Yes. And, and you die. Oh. And you, and you wake up uh -huh. in like a, a, a dentist chair. Ooh. And, like, you've been in a VR system the whole time, and you were just put under so they could do a root canal? Oh. Maybe. What would you What oh. would you say coming out of this life to your dentist? You know what I would say? <laughs> How many boards would the Mongols hoard if the Mongol hordes got bored? <laughs> you answer the question with another question. Indeed! <laughs> 
That's some Mongolian wisdom. <laughs> we'll be back, everybody. All right. You know what time it is. <laughs> oh, baby. It's time for some Mongolian coffee juice. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to spread Milked it on... Milk from a Bactrian camel <laughs> on the plains of the Gobi Desert. Straight from the steps. What is a step, anyway? Um, P-P-E. What? P-P-E. S-T-E-P-P-E. Oh, yeah. What is a step? E. It's actually pronounced steepy. <laughs> it's just, it's is not. that just like a really... It's not. A really, really, uh... Steep teepee? Oh. Mm. So steep. Very acute. Yeah. <laughs> The old Pythagoras. <laughs> I love me some Pythagoras in the morning. The, the best type of pie at Thanksgiving is a Pythagoras pie. <laughs> That's right, everybody. On Thanksgiving, make sure you eat some Pythagoras pie. <laughs> Which definitely wasn't made and named after a caveman. <laughs> it's the right way. It's the right angle way. Never mind. That's not true of triangles don't ever... Anyway. Uh. <laughs> triangles can have right angles. That's true. That's true. Or triangles can have one right angle. They can have one. Unless they're fake triangles. Could we... Could we... Tr no. Could we what? <laughs> I'm trying to defy geometry. <laughs> Just like my sex life. Oh my anyway. god. Anyway. <laughs> Stuart Jimmy's early life. No, we already covered that. Adult life. <laughs> And we're back! woo And when we left off, we were talking about Kublai Khan's early life, and now we're going to be talking about Jimmy Stewart's adult life. Ooh. Welcome back to the old structure, everybody. Possible only through laziness. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Jimmy Stewart's adult life. Mm. So when we left Jimmy Stewart, he was being wildly successful, letting down his father, and getting drafted. That just went downhill. Yeah. Now, this might seem like a bad turn of luck for Jimmy Stewart. Right. But remember, Jimmy has the blood of American patriots coursing through his veins. Right! All of his veins. Ooh. Both of his grandfathers fought through the Civil War, and his old dad, the hardware store owner, uh, had fought not only in the Spanish-American War, but World War One as well. Gosh! Which is a lot of war. That's a lot of war for one man. Lots of war. Yeah. Now, we may be making lots of jokes about Jimmy Stewart's dad, but Jimmy just fucking loved his dad. Oh, good. He considered him to be the most influential person in his whole life. Oh. Which is great! Yeah. Uh, so Jimmy didn't... So that's un-American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, excuse me. Jimmy didn't resist joining the military. Mm. Um, he was about to... He wasn't like... It's not like he was about to betray the phantoms of his ancestors, sure. so to speak. So he decided to become an aviator. Okay. Just as he had dreamed of being back in the day. Right. Now, it wasn't like Jimmy had forgotten about flying or anything while being a famous movie star. Um, in mm. fact, he had earned both his private pilot certificate and commercial pilot license. Damn. And regularly visited his parents, who were in Pennsylvania, by literally following railroad tracks from Hollywood all the way home. That's badass. In his plane. It's across a, the entire U.S. Across the U.S. Wow. Jimmy fucking Stewart is the coolest son of a bitch. I agree. Yeah. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Jimmy wasn't drafted into the Air Corps. Mm. Uh, he was instead straight up drafted into the U.S. Army. Ugh. But he got rejected because he was five pounds underweight. <laughs> okay. 
Now, most people, you, you know, you would think would be like, yay, I don't have to go. Uh-huh. But Jimmy was not fucking having of it. Of course. He hired a famous trainer and muscle man named Don Loomis and attempted <laughs> to gain that five pounds so he could kick some Nazi ass. Yeah! But he still came in underweight, despite his best efforts. <laughs> At least, that was the first time he reattempted to join the military. Mm. The second time, he just barely passed the minimum mark, mm. but ended up getting into the Air Corps, and because of his college education, he earned a commission as a second lieutenant in the beginning of 1942. Not bad. Pretty much right after Pearl Harbor. Bad. Mm. Pearl Harbor was bad. Yeah. It was. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Now look, okay, uh-huh. so you're probably thinking the best use for a fancy Hollywood star in the military is pretty obvious. Yeah. Like, let him in and keep him on the rounds for recruitment. That's yes, it. Yes, exactly. Right? He's a the, little... What do they call those shows? The USO shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, like, I'm Jimmy Stewart and I joined the army, but he doesn't actually do anything. He's Captain America, right. basically. It's by war bonds. Support... Utah Beach. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. It's <laughs> basically what happened. But again, just like actual Captain America, Jimmy mm. wasn't fucking having it. Right. He did appear in some recruiting films, mm. which brought in an estimated 150,000 new recruits. What? Which, holy <laughs> hell, man. <laughs> Are you saying that Jimmy Stewart yes. directly had a hand in defeating the Nazis by helping to recruit... 150,000 new American soldiers. Yes. That's incredible. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, but he didn't just want to be an icon. Yeah. Um, He hated the idea of being a behind-the-line service member. I respect that. And so, because he was amazing, Mm. he just kept getting training and applying to get into combat roles. Jeez. He went to New Mexico and learned to operate in the massive and famous B-17 Flying Fortress. Oh, yeah. And ended up in Salt Lake City, where he fully expected to be assigned a combat role. To fight the Mormons, yeah. He was not. Oh, shit. (laughs) Not even to fight the Mormons. He was 35 years old, and the U.S. of A. thought it would be better served by Jimmy Stewart just selling war bonds and shit like that. That's boring. Back on the Captain America circuit, baby. But Jimmy Stewart wasn't having it. Yes. He appealed to his commander, who was five years younger than him, and finally got his way. All right. He was sent straight to goddamn Germany, (laughs) where he and his crew bombed U-boat facilities so successfully that Jimmy Stewart was given command of his entire squadron. What the hell? Jimmy Stewart! Uh, After another combat mission in Germany, Stewart was promoted to major and won the Distinguished Flying Cross for his actions in following combat missions. Hmm. And they just can't stop the Stewart. No. The guy commands numerous bombing raids in Nazi-occupied Europe, flying in the lead plane to inspire (laughs) his men. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this guy was... This guy was no fucking... He's nuts. Joke. He was totally into it. Yeah. Um, He even went on, volunteered to go on missions that offered no combat credit. Oh, okay. So, like, you would get credit or whatever for going on a combat mission. Yeah, and you had to earn so much credit before you could go home. Right, so he would go on missions to fight, even though they wouldn't... Wow, so that's risking your life simply because you believe in the cause or you enjoyed the experience. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, this was a guy who starred in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and if you see that movie, this probably wouldn't surprise you. Okay. Except most actors portray people that they aren't. Mm. Jimmy Stewart seems to be portraying everyone that he actually is. That's crazy. He's the most American son of a bitch I've ever come across. So, that's so funny, because in It's a Wonderful Life, which I'm sure we'll get to, Mm -hmm. his brother is the World War II pilot hero. Exactly. But... It's actually Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) They just couldn't keep him out of the sky bombing Nazi ass. Like, Mm. just, 
The man loved it. Wow. So he won another Distinguished Flying Cross, mm-hmm. the Air Medal with three oak leaf clusters. Cool. And the French Croix de Guerre. Oh, okay. The Cross of War. By 1945, he was a colonel. Wow. And then the war was over and he went home. Sure. His military career continued, though, even while he was at home and starring in movies again. Huh. He was eventually to become a brigadier general in 1959. <laughs> what the fuck? And ended up flying a mission during the Vietnam War. Whoa, okay. And he wouldn't, wow. he wouldn't retire from the military until 1968. What a hero. Yeah. But post-war, Stewart knew he had to either break back into the film industry or find something else to do. Sure. But he didn't seem to have a problem because right when he got back, he got hired to be in <gasps> It's a Wonderful Life. There it is! There it is. And now, this film is a classic, of course, but when yeah. it came out, not that many people actually went to see it. I've heard that, yeah. yeah. And the reason most people ended up seeing it was because they didn't renew the licensing or some shit. Oh. And they just, they were so they were able to air it on TV for, like, basically free. Oh, I see. And so then everyone saw it and they're like, why didn't we ever see this great movie? And then, boom, it was a classic. So, if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life... Stop what you're doing and go watch it, you <laughs> fool! <laughs> uh, it's the best yeah. movie. Building and loan. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Now, um, okay. So, it, here, here's the thing. It yeah. wasn't a success, but it was still Jimmy Stewart's favorite movie he ever appeared in. Sure. Uh, I mean, it drove Frank Capra to bankruptcy, but oh, still, oh. Jimmy Stewart loved it right. so much. Which, if Jimmy Stewart likes it, that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's a seal of approval you can get behind. Yeah. And then he appeared in Alfred Hitchcock's Rope in 1948, which is a classic you need to watch immediately. Yes. Uh, And most people just don't seem to notice, but he's amazing in that freaking movie. Hitch that cock. You've done things that I never dreamed of. (laughs) No, is it? You've taken my words and twisted them into things I'd never dreamed of. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, it's a killer movie. Um, anyway, so this got, uh, let's see here. The film went over decently well? Yeah, it went over decently well. Um, but after that, Jimmy started experiencing a long chain of financial flops. Ah. You see, he was starting to age, mm. so he wasn't as mm-hmm. young and awesome as he used to be. Like us. Uh, yeah. So, uh, he starts making a ton of westerns hmm. to basically pay the bills. Sure. Uh, and started reappearing on stage, which ended up earning him a lot of money. Okay. Because, for one, he appeared in this this production called Harvey, which is about a crazy guy who sees an imaginary rabbit. Hmm. Uh, and it's all about, like, whether, what delusion is and, you know, what qualifies as a delusion. What is truth? What is truth? Yeah, uh, they actually ended up making a movie about it, which is it's a really oh. it's a really good movie. Okay, and Jimmy Stewart is constantly drinking through it, which is just great. Perfect. <laughs> uh, he's always like, "I'll have a I'll have a martini." Wait, what's his voice like again? Oh shit! Oh shit! Two two dry martinis and uh, that's not that's not it. It's eh, eh. patron <laughs> li- listeners requested that I do a Jimmy Stewart impression, and I used to be able to do a really good one, but I can't do one anymore. It sounds a little sick. It's a little sick. Yeah, like, a little, yeah. Yeah, little sick. Um, he appeared in Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. Oh! <laughs> which is one of my all-time favorites. Yes, that's a great movie. Yeah. So this got him the well-deserved honor of taking John Wayne's place as the Hollywood as Hollywood's highest grossing actor. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so he went from, like, nearly bust to back in the game, maybe. Okay. He starred in The Man Who Knew Too Much, Vertigo, which is overrated, but still very, very good. Okay. Uh, Anatomy of a Murder, which no one has seen because it's, like, three hours long. Shit. But it's amazing. Okay. He was also in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which mm. was... I, 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 was mm. I was bored in that one. 
uh, he starred in How the West Was Won, which wasn't a huge success, but okay. nonetheless, it was a cowboy movie. And there he was in many, many other classics. Sure. The problem was, Jimmy was getting old. Uh. He started appearing on TV a lot more than in film. Hmm. Eventually got back into film, but he was slipping. The poor guy couldn't remember his lines. Mm. But he's like 70 at this point, so that's forgivable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock movie saw a re-release in the 80s. Um, due to, well, they just started re-releasing old movies. And that's oh, yeah. Before okay. it was like, we're going to show a movie, and then they don't show it anymore. Because yeah. it's not like you could buy it and go home and watch it on VHS. Yeah. I mean, Blockbuster was done even by this point in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, lots of younger audiences got to see his classic films, which sort of reignited Jimmy Stewart's popularity a little bit. Nice. Um, but anyway, so he's old, and in his old age, he worked to spread appreciation for the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights. Well, yeah. well done, sir. <laughs> and he even sent a copy of It's a Wonderful Life to Russia following the fall of the Iron Curtain. That's beautiful. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> oh. Yeah. And uh, in 1991, Jimmy Stewart appeared in his last film, An American Tale, Fievel Goes West. Okay. Which is an animated movie by, I think, Don Bluth, hmm. in which Jimmy voices an old sheriff dog. Perfect. And it's it's an epic. Is it? Epic exit, yeah. Right. He sounds mega old, but it's definitely Jimmy Stewart. Ugh. And that's where we're leaving for now. Okay. Because I think it's time to get into Kubla Khan's adult life, if you don't mind, James. I don't mind at all, good sir. All right, Kubla Khan's adult life. When we last left Kubla, he had just learned that his little brother Buka had claimed the Mongolian throne. Right. So Kubla did the only logical thing and decided that he too would proclaim himself Great Khan. Great Khan? Great Khan indeed. <laughs> uh, most of Kubla's followers in China supported his claim, but pretty much uh, all of the other Mongol leaders supported Buka. Oh. Also, most of the Mongolian army supported Buka. Well, that's not good. So, family civil war time, oh. and it's not looking good for Kubi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But Kubla acts immediately, convinced the fucking fence-sitter warlords <laughs> to join his cause, and uh, he f struck at a few places before Buka could get there and defend them. Mm. Then Kubla actually beats Spooka in battle, and I'm choking. <laughs> You're drinking that coffee too fast. So Kubla beats Buka, his younger brother, mm -hmm. in battle, uh, and then he defeats a Chinese rebellion that had sprung up and won over a few of Buka's top administrators to his side in the process. So things are looking good. Yeehaw! Buka finally surrenders to Kubla on August 21st, 1264. Not an important date, but I stuck it in there because fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Kubla now had much of the Mongol Empire under his control, and he pardoned his younger brother. Oh, But that's executed nice. all of his younger brother's staff. Ah. Uh, I mean, you gotta. They were technically traitors. That's I mean, you, you do. But I guess. Put yourself in the younger brother's shoes. Shit. Awkward. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but y'all gotta be drawn apart by a bunch of horses. Pretty much. Yeah. So think about it. You're Buka, <laughs> and you just lost the war, but it's your birthday party, <laughs> and you're there, waiting to blow out the candles, and none of your friends show up, because <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> Basically what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yep. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Okay. Because of all of this infighting, the Mongol Empire that had once been the largest empire the world had ever seen up to this point had split into four fragmented empires. Oh, shit. And no one knows No one knows Mongolian history. This is it's fascinating. Anyway, Kublai uh, was in control of the Mongolian Khanate Empire, which included Mongolia, much of China, and Tibet. 
The second fragment, called the Shagatai Khanate, included parts of western China and Afghanistan. The third piece was the Ilkhanate, which included Persia, Iran, Iraq, and the Caucasus. Mm. And the last empire, known as the Golden Horde, oh! <laughs> included the steppes of the Stan countries right. and southern Russia all the way to the borders of Europe. Which one's the biggest? Uh, I think the Golden Horde. Sounds was. like it. And it's also got the coolest name. Yes. Yeah. The Golden Horde. The Golden Horde. That's what we should call our followers or listeners. Ooh. The Golden Horde. The Golden Horde the, the, children. The Copper Horde. The Copper Horde. <laughs> Aluminum Horde. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now all of these Mongolian kingdoms were ruled by Mongols and had once been united. So they have a lot of similarities, but basically the empire was just too big. Ah. And all three of the other Mongol kingdoms basically all immediately told Kubla to leave them alone, which he did not. Ah. Nah, I yeah. didn't expect that. Nope. <laughs> so basically, through several complicated wars, invasions, and political maneuverings, Kubla brought the empires back into the fold, uh, although they were they were allowed to keep a good amount of their own sovereignty. Okay. So there's still four separate kingdoms, but they're kind of allies. So it's like a, like a federation. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Kind of like 50 states, but one country. Yeah. This is four canates, but one... <laughs> yeah. So now that he had most of the Mongol land under his control again, he turned his gaze eastwards, uh, and he organized a campaign against the last remnants of the Song Dynasty in eastern China. And the Mongols <laughs> win! <laughs> Wiping out the Song Dynasty in 1276 and making the Mongols the first non-Chinese people to conquer all of China. Well, shit. Yeah. Mm. Then he moved his capital to the city of Dadu, or Dadu, uh, but it's Beijing <laughs> today. That's the important thing. Beijing. Okay. So Beijing. we can thank Kublai Khan for making Beijing uh, an important place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, further, Kublai encouraged the Chinese to refer to him as emperor, which was a Chinese term rather than a Mongolian term. I see. So his cultural education yes. is coming back into play mm. as he's trying to control these people. Indeed. <laughs> And just like many of our other, other episodes, we have this, this confrontation between the old ways, the conservatives, oh. you could say, and the new ways, the progressives, you could say. Because uh-huh. we've covered similar themes in other episodes, which I won't refer to now because I don't remember any of them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, we just did that with Andrew Jackson. That's true. But Last it, episode. It, it didn't count because we were in different states. True. Yes. Yes. Anyway, many of the traditional powerful Mongol families and leaders began to grumble Uh-oh. that Kubi was abandoning the ways of their ancestors and of freaking Genghis Genghis Khan, and he's instead pursuing Chinese culture. Damn. Ah. Yeah. So familiar. Yep. So there was even a violent uprising in the traditional Mongolian capital of Karakorum, and some of these leaders also sent Kublai a letter that read... The old customs of our empire are not those of the Chinese laws. What will happen to the old customs? Uh, they'll just go away. Pretty much, <laughs> which is what their concern is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but in Kublai's mind, uh, Mongol- Mongolian traditions were fantastic at forging an empire, but Chinese culture and customs were fantastic at keeping and running an empire. Oh. And he has a great quote about this that I couldn't find, but uh, it's something along the lines of... Our empire was forged on the, on the saddle, but it cannot be ruled on the saddle. Ah, uh, yes, I've heard that one Which before. is kind of cool. I butchered the, the phrase, but... 
something along those lines. Yeah, I, I, that's so interesting. I get so I get so stuck on this whole like old versus new thing. Yeah, because it just keeps coming up. It does. Yeah, um, it, it's like there there are people who are afraid to innovate because they're afraid that innovation would lead to throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Sure, uh, and that they'll lose their sort of cultural identity. Yep. And I get that. Absolutely. Um, sort of, I, I sort of get the, get both sides. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Anyway, for now, <laughs> things are going pretty well. Uh, Kublai full-on embraced Chinese culture. He built over 20,000 schools. Oh my god. Ordered the building of offices, trade ports, canals. Promoted a strict code of religious toleration in an empire that included large amounts of Catholic, Orthodox, and Nestorian Christians, Sunni and Shia Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, pagans of all sorts, and others. Wow. And he said... Everyone's allowed to worship whoever they wanted, which in the 1200s yeah. never happened. Yeah, and, or rarely happened, I should say. And I'm—it's I, interesting because the, I'm sure the, the conservative-minded Mongolians probably had a problem with it, with religious. You tolerance. would think so, but actually, um, all of the Mongolian history. This is one of the things that they're best known for is being religiously tolerant. Really, and it's interesting because it, it kind of makes sense. They were of the conquering mindset. But less the uh, kind of the bureaucratic stuff of running an empire. Oh. So they just wanted to keep going. You know, you got to conquer the next land. Well, how do you keep the people you've conquered happy? One of the easiest ways is, well, you let them keep their traditions, yep. many of their laws, and their gods. That makes sense. And so... Uh, let them be. Yeah. So Why do you have to control every aspect of their lives when you just yeah. subjugate them and tax them? And not only that, what the Mongols also did is they took the... They didn't judge based on religion. So they would take the best of whoever you were, regardless of who you worshipped. So a lot of there were a ton of both Islamic and Christian people in the Mongol Empire who rose to prominence um, because they were just good at what they did. And the Mongols let them, even though the Mongols were pagans. It's, Shit. It's pretty cool. I love it. Oh, yeah. And there are actually Christian and Islamic uh, Mongol leaders at different times. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, another thing the Mongols are remembered for is war. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Kuba was no different here in this regard. Uh, so, Kuba decides to invade fucking everywhere. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, but before we can get to those invasions, it's time for another Mongolian rebellion. Oh! <laughs> no! Yes. Okay. So, and, uh, so several important Mongolian leaders, who we won't name for simplicity's sake, capture two of Kublai's sons and one of his top generals because, again, they just don't like how he is forsaking the old ways. Right. Uh, but then some Mongol leaders who are friendly to Kublai uh, work some politics out with the dissenters. The boys are returned, and the four Mongolian kingdoms kind of get back to friendly terms once again. So, hostage-taking is not a big deal. Let's, right, We're yeah. friends again. They took the sons, and then the other Just guys are like, give them back. That's mean. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're You're right. not invited to my tea party. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Kubla, now knowing that a lot of Mongols were mad at him for adopting Chinese ways, went on ahead to adopt way more Chinese customs. Ah. In fact, he went ahead and started his own Chinese dynasty. Oh. The Yuan Dynasty. Mm. And I know that's not how you pronounce it, but they said it's it's hard for English speakers to properly pronounce how this is said. Oh, okay. So it's similar to Yuan Dynasty, but that's not it specifically. Okay. I actually looked it up. Because you care. Because I care. Yeah. 
So he starts his own dynasty, and he brings on a whole bunch of Chinese advisors and political managers. He gave Buddhist monks more political power. He rebuilt the Grand Canal, which is the oldest and longest canal in the world. He built highways all throughout China, increased salt production, and get this, he created the first unified paper currency in the 1200s, which was based on silver and gold, so you could tran- transfer it anytime you wanted. Oh, I see. Yes. But, eventually he needed more money, so he confiscated all of the gold and silver from the private sector, and the resulting inflation caused a huge economic disaster, oh. which we'll get to later. So Kublai is also, and this is one of the things he's most well known for, is known for being the first creator of fiat money. <laughs> <laughs> it's on it's on Wikipedia. Uh, you can so read you know it. it's so true. it's true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what what's important about this is these paper bills made taxation and the transportation of money super easy because you know they don't weigh a million tons. Right. So trade and taxes just soar. Uh, and then Marco Polo visits Kublai's palace, um, along with many other visitors from all over the world. But we're not going to talk about that. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, Kublai's China is the shit. Yes! Yeah. And then he also gives a lot of money and support to scientists of all faiths, which we I talked about earlier. Ah. But particularly, he uh, endorsed learned Muslims, uh, because at this point in time, the Islamic world was kind of, in a lot of ways, the heartland of academic and scientific progress which is Uh, interesting that is interesting and not what your republican friend tells you (laughs) 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 so because of this scientific research goes through the roof observatories were built seven new astronomy instruments were created which actually helped correct the chinese calendar which had been slightly wrong up until this point oh uh, Islamic cartographers made maps of the entire Silk Road that were surprisingly accurate. Hospitals were built. Advancements in surgery were made. God, I'm dying don't, over here. Don't die. Euclidean geometry, trigonometry, and Arabic numerals were brought to China for the first time, and other fun things like that. Wow. So basically a golden age for China in a lot of ways. That's hella awesome. Yeah. But now, finally, Kubla wants to go to war. Shit. Okay. So he does. In 1260, Kublai orders the Mongolian invasion of Korea. Ah. And the Mongols <laughs> win! <laughs> and then why not do the same thing again in 1273 just to make sure you really do own Korea? <laughs> so they do that. And the Mongols win! <laughs> Uh, then Kublai and his war party decide to just go and invade Japan, Burma, Vietnam, and Java. Oh, shit. So let's see how these go. All right. Uh, we'll first talk about the Mongolian invasion of Japan. And we've got some problems for Kublai. The Mongols are not a seafaring people, number really? one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they can't just hook motorboats onto their horses and just blast across the ocean? Well, they could. Okay. Um, that's too easy, though. Oh, okay. The good news is, is that the Koreans, who they just conquered, right. make boats. Right. Uh, the bad thing is, uh, these boats are meant for peaceful rivers. Uh-oh. And not for, you know, the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1274, Kublai sends 900 ships full of soldiers to Japan. And the entire fleet is drowned by a typhoon, most likely. And the weather gods win! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but just, okay, just picture that. All right. 900 ships. Oh. And all the people drowning in a storm. That's horrific. It is. Yeah. Yeah. 
And because of this, Kublai decides to do it again! (laughs) So in 1281, just a few years later, he sends two different fleets. Oh no. Okay? So the first fleet includes 900 ships and 40,000 Korean, Chinese, and Mongolian troops. Wow. The second larger fleet includes 3,500 ships and 100,000 soldiers. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so the first smaller army lands on Japan, no problems. And the Japanese samurai warriors ride out to meet the Mongols and challenge the Mongol army to an honorable one-on-one hero combat. Oh, gotcha. Which was the samurai way. So instead of fighting the battle, they had a duel. And yeah, whoever won decided the end. Pretty much. Yeah. I see. Uh, this was not the Mongol way. Oh, God. <laughs> and the Mongols responded by just bombarding the living shit out of the samurai with early firebombs and arrows. Damn. Not very honorable. But no, not at all. Yeah. So the samurai retreat. Uh, but there was a huge problem. For the Mongols, that is. The second, much larger Mongolian reinforcement fleet was nowhere to be seen. Oh. They had literally vanished off the face of the earth. What? So there might be a, a hundred thousand soldiers, or more, at mm-hmm. the bottom of the ocean between... We'll get to that. Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah. So the Mongols who did land in Japan, they just leave, because they don't have the strength or the uh, uh, military intelligence to move forward. Uh, thus, the second Mongolian invasion of Japan had failed. Turns out, oh my God. thanks to modern archaeology and oceanic exploration, that Kublai's second fleet of 3,500 boats and 100,000 soldiers also was completely destroyed in the ocean. Oh, no! Most likely by another typhoon, oh. which is just bad luck. Um, but we've, what we have found are remains of boats and weaponry scattered on the shores of Japan. Sheesh. Even today. I think they found, like, half a Mongolian boat. It just washed up onto the shores of Nagasaki, like, Whoa. right outside the city. It's just horrifying. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what we also think is that Kublai ordered this fleet to be built in one year, mm. which was a job that should have taken five. Yeah. Thus, the ships were basically just floating turds <laughs> and offered absolutely no shelter from harsh ocean weather, which is exactly what they ran into. They should have watched Castaway. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Kublai! <laughs> So now that Kublai had failed to take Japan, he decided to invade Vietnam. Uh, okay. Now, what do you know about invading Vietnam, Aaron? It don't work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, he had once tried to invade Vietnam before, and that time totally failed. Oh, okay. So in 1284, Kublai invaded Vietnam again! Oh! And the Mongols were defeated and ran out of the country. So, (laughs) Kublai invaded Vietnam for a third time, Ah. and the Mongols lose again. (laughs) And, like, really badly. (laughs) They're just crushed. But nevertheless, the Vietnamese king, uh, he sued for peace because he was just so tired of killing Mongols. (laughs) So, Vietnam agreed to send a tribute to the Mongols, so it's kind of a Mongol victory. Kind of. Like... If you yeah. lose uh, one army, keep on trucking. If you lose two armies, keep on trucking. If you lose three, yeah. get paid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, next, Kublai invaded Burma, and that went... Oh. Uh, it took three whole invasions again. 
1283, and 1287. But eventually, Burma was kind of taken over and made into a tributary state under Kublai's rule. So, kind of a victory. <laughs> Just harass people up to like, exactly. fuck off, here's a He's dollar. got so many armies, it doesn't matter if he loses seven of them. Jeez. Yeah. Then he launched an invasion against Java, which was completely defeated. <laughs> but it scared Java into submission anyway. So by 1294, they were they too were paying tributes to China and the Mongols. This is so interesting that they're technically losing, but also winning. Exactly. It's kind of like the Soviets in World War II. <laughs> you just send enough guys. Armed with chairs and... <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say toilet seats, but I don't know. Same thing. Did the Soviets have those? I don't know. <laughs> Just a bucket. Yeah, it's called kulaks. Oh, oh! Too soon. Too soon. Anyway, now it's time for yet another Mongol Civil War Rebellion! <laughs> and this time it's led by a guy named Nyan, uh, who was a descendant. That pause for a fact. <laughs> Nian, who was a descendant of Genghis Khan and didn't like how uh, this Chinese Kublai was acting. Okay, how wait, Chinese. Hold, hold up. Yeah. Who's Genghis Khan? Uh, Genghis Genghis oh, Khan. Oh, okay, I mean. okay, okay. Yes. Right, okay. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. The the big the big dude. All right. Yeah. Uh, also, what's funny about this rebellion is so this guy Nian is starting the rebellion. Mm -hmm. Then it turns out that all these other guys named Nyan <laughs> joined the rebellion and were like, we're the real Nyan! <laughs> so you had like several different rebellions all led by Nyans. <laughs> Just a clusterfuck. They need to Nyanite. Oh god. <laughs> uh, anyway, so a bunch of other Mongol leaders and soldiers join in on the rebellion. So Kublai gets together his army and basically soundly defeats Nyan's army, and then a chase begins, hooray. Basically, the rebellion was crushed eventually. It would flare up here and there, now and again, but every time it was crushed. Uh. And that's kind of the end of that. Uh, so we'll leave Kublai until we kill him. Damn. Yeah. Well, that was more than I expected. For some reason, I expected it to be like, and then he conquered this guy, and then he conquered this guy, and these guys, and those guys, and all these guys. And it would be like, ah, oh, fine. He was yep. a great conqueror. Instead, it was like, <laughs> he loses again. I don't know if he's winning or losing, man. Yeah. Yeah. So many armies down the drain. Yeah. Like, almost literally down the drain. Oh, yes. <laughs> the Japanese sea. So, shall we talk about Jimmy Stewart's end and death? Mm. Since we absolutely need to go back to America in order to keep our blood red, white, and blue. True. Yes. So, this is Jimmy Stewart's End and Death. Mm. Jimmy Stewart is really old! Ah. Uh, in 1996, he was supposed to have his battery and his pacemaker replaced. Mm. But he decided not to. Oh, he was like, I'm fucking old, I'm done. Like, yeah. Let's just, he just wanted to go out naturally. That was sure. what he wanted. In 1997, he passed away, surrounded by his kids in his own home. Oh. His last words were, I'm going to be with Gloria now. Oh. Gloria was his wife. Oh, oh okay. uh, And I forgot to mention that she was a model. Oh, okay. Named Gloria McLean. Hmm. Uh, and he got married to her shortly after the war and stayed with her until her death. That's so refreshing to hear yeah. about celebrities, yep. I gotta say. Uh, That's she, beautiful. And she had only died three years earlier. Okay. Um, but yeah. Bill Clinton 
said mm-hmm. of Jimmy that the country had lost a national treasure. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's the same thing he said. Nope, not going there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Stewart had about 3,000 people at his funeral service. Okay. The military was there to pay respects and fired the 21-gun salute. Awesome. Jimmy Stewart is buried in Glendale, California. For now, until he comes back and saves our asses in World War Three. I don't doubt that. <laughs> wow. Yes. Little known thing, though. What an American hero. Little known thing. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart was also a poet. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yes. Do you have any of the poetry? I do. I have oh. one that I'd like to read. Which, okay. Which he read on the air, and I'm going to fuck up the voice. But okay. I'm try to sound as much like Jimmy Stewart as I possibly can. That's going to sound terrible. But anyway. <clears throat> this is called Bo. He never came to me when I would call, unless I had a tennis ball, or he felt like it, but mostly he didn't come at all. (laughs) When he was young, he never learned to heal, or sit or stay. He did things his way. Discipline was not his bag, but when you were with him, things sure didn't drag. He'd dig up a rose bush just to spite me, and when I'd grab him, he'd turn and bite me. (laughs) He bit a lot of folks from day to day. The delivery boy was his favorite prey. The gas man wouldn't read our meter. He said we owned a real man-eater. <laughs> he set the house on fire, but the story's long to tell. Suffice to say that he survived, and the house survived as well. On the evening walks, and Gloria took him, he was always first out the door. The old one I brought up the rear because our bones were sore. We would char- he would charge up the street with Mom hanging on. What a beautiful pair they were. And if it was still light and the tourists were out, they created a bit of a stir. But every once in a while, he would stop in his tracks and with a frown on his face look around. It was just to make sure that the old one was there and would follow him where he was bound. We are early to betters at our house. I guess I'm the first to retire. And as I'd leave the room, he'd look at me and get up from his place by the fire. He knew where the tennis balls were upstairs, and I'd give him one for a while. He would push it under the bed with his nose, and I'd fish it out with a smile. And before long, he'd tire of the ball and be asleep in his corner in no time at all. And there were nights when I'd feel him climb up on our bed and lie between us and I'd pat his head. And there were nights when I'd feel his stare and I'd wake up and he'd be sitting there. And I'd reach out my hand and stroke his hair. And sometimes I'd feel him sigh. And I think I know the reason why. He would wake up at night and he would have this fear of the dark of life, of lots of things, and he'd be glad to have me near. And now he's dead, and there are nights when I think I feel him climb upon our bed and lie between us, and I pat his head. And there are nights when I think I feel that stare, and I reach out my hand to stroke his hair, but he's not there. Oh, how I wish that wasn't so. I'll always love a dog named Bo. Oh, I was gonna make fun of it, and then it got so sad and real. Yeah, yeah, at the line, and now he's dead. Yeah. Like, shit! Oh! oh. Spoiler alert. And I found this on Democratic 
underground.com, and there's the top comment. <clears throat> uh-huh. <clears throat> this guy rewrote one stanza. He says, okay. He bit a lot of folks from day to day. I shot the fucker is all I can say. <laughs> I'm one of the folks he bit that day. <laughs> <laughs> A moment of levity. There we go. Yeah. Shooting dogs. Yeah. Something to laugh about. That's terrible. We tried to shoot our dog on this show. I did shoot several. They weren't mine, though. Oh, okay. Because I'm a police officer. So my overall impression with Jimmy Stewart is actually really positive. Yeah, sounds um, like it. I kept waiting to hit the part uh, where it was headlined with, like, controversy or, uh, or accusations of. Right. And I never hit that part. That is refreshing to hear. Yeah, you know, he's stuck with his wife. I mean, he canoodled in Hollywood a tiny bit before he got married. Yeah, you gotta do that a little, little yeah. bit. Yeah, but... Who hasn't? Yeah, it, well, I've never canoodled in Hollywood, have you? I don't know what a canoodle is. <laughs> but I can guess. You and no. I've done it here. Uh, in this very room! <laughs> with that very cat! Oh my god! <laughs> and the phone rings. It's... Satan. <laughs> so while the phone rings, we'll just wait peacefully. We'll just wait. Nobody's Hurrah! <laughs> Nobody's leaving a message. Nobody loves us. Yay! <laughs> what could be better? Death. <laughs> so speaking of, shall yeah. we move on to Kubla Khan's end and death? Sure. All right. Um, it's a lot. A lot more sad than Jimmy Stewart's end. Oh, no. Yeah. So the rest of Kublai's life just goes downhill really fast. His wife, Shabi, something like that, she died in 1281, um, which greatly depressed him and caused him to completely withdraw from public life. Oh, no. Then his chosen heir, named Zheng Zhen, died in 1286, which also made Kublai really depressed. That would, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, it seems he had PTSD-like episodes, or at least huge guilt outbursts, over all of the men who had died under his command in all of those failed invasions. I wonder if that had anything to do with losing his own son. Oh. Like, he had a better be. understanding of what death meant when you lost your son. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. That's a complete speculation, but I wonder. Yeah. I'm just glad that he felt bad about it. Like, that's a lot of men you sent to their deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, with all of this sad stuff going on, Kublai did the right thing and turned to food and drink for comfort. Oh. And in fact, he ate so much that he became grossly overweight. Oh, shit. Got gout and diabetes oh. and was often drunk off his ass. So, Friday. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, of course, meant that he got really, really sick. Oh. So he tried every medical treatment that he had available. Doctors, healers, and religious leaders of all sorts, and from all throughout the empire were brought in, but none of them could change the outcome. Uh, he named a dude called T Timur, Temur, as heir of the Mongolian Khanate and of the Yuan dynasty, and then he died alone in the palace <gasps> at age 78 on February 18th, 1294. That is so sad. It is. Alone in the palace. Ah. It, and his... All of his close friends and family had died, so his advisors didn't know who to send to his bedside to, to comfort him. Oh. They eventually sent this guy who was 30 years younger just because he was the closest 
uh, friend that Kublai had to see him out of this world. Did he, like, operate Kublai's favorite taco truck or something? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. So, uh, Kublai's body was given a royal funeral, and he is buried in the sacred Khan burial grounds in Mongolia. <coughs> Uh, Kublai Khan has kind of a weird legacy. Uh, he's gone down in history as kind of more of a Chinese hero rather than a Mongolian one. That kind of makes sense. It totally makes sense, because, uh, from the Mongolian point of view, he just lost a whole bunch. Yeah. He did put down a few rebellions, and he, he conquered the rest of China, but he lost so many times. God. And he really kind of abandoned a lot of Mongolian traditions That's in true. favor of the Chinese traditions. Yeah. But then the Chinese see him as... Pretty much like this great foreign leader mm. who made China great again. <laughs> yeah. And started the Yuan Dynasty. Oh, yeah. Uh, another thing that he is known for is he wrote some poetry. Oh, how nice. And I have a poem. Great. It isn't as long as that canine Iliad that you just <laughs> read. Uh, but I, I regret it. nothing. Good. All right. I ascended on fragrant hill in the friendly season of spring. Not discouraged, I climbed to the peak and met the golden face. <laughs> the golden face? Okay, never mind. Flowers shone bright rays, and auspicious colors gleamed like a rainbow. Incense smoke wafted like mist, and a blessed light emanated. Raindrops were like bubbles on jade bamboos at the edge of the big rock. <laughs> The blowing wind played a song among the green pines at the mountain pass. In front of the Buddha in the temple, I conducted the incense ceremony. And on the way back, I rode a blue dragon in the royal carriage. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, Kubi. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like some of the imagery. I do too. Yeah. And it goes without saying that this is an English translation, so I'm sure it just butchered the right. original. But Right. It's just, it's, yeah, it's a translation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. ah. Well, Ooh. so that's, that's, uh, the end of that. That's the end of Kubi. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for our, our Patreon giver who uh, requested Kublai Khan. It was someone I would not have ordinarily done, but it was fun. Yeah, it I actually well. really enjoyed learning about that. Yep. Um, congratulations, James, for doing Kublai Khan. We now have one less fewer dead person, one less dead person to cover. Perfect. Three more to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two and a half episodes left, or one and a half episodes <laughs> yeah. left. Yeah. God, no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, James, yes. shall we head to the surface and call it a quits for this in-person episode. And the Mongols win! Yes. Tell me. Yes. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Yes. I'm going to drive your raggedy ass up to Milwaukee. How dare you? That's the way it goes. Okay. No, I don't know. Um, you're probably not driving me to Milwaukee. No, I'm not. No, you're not. you got work today. I do have work today. Bullshit. Yep. Bullshit. got to service those ladies. Uh, uh, hey, what was what was it about this guy you were working with last night? You were sending me texts. Oh yeah, yes, I did. Yeah, uh, this guy came into work yesterday who uh, lived in Leningrad for like forty years. Oh shit! Uh, 
all through the whole Soviet Union thing. You seen some shit, man. And uh, he came up to me and he said in his Russian accent, which I I can't do. Go for it. I don't remember what he said. Um, shit. I got the text. Hold on. Okay. Hold, hold over. I, we get a jingle. Jingle going. It's, it's not that great. Shit. No, it's great. It's so good. Okay. Uh, he said, "You are a good size." Yes, and I I responded, uh, "I'm a good size for what?" And his response, "Shooting Germans." <laughs> I can't believe you it was that. so unexpected. That Russian's name, Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. that really happened. Yes, I think that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you gonna do today? I gotta edit this episode, see some family members, mm. go to Milwaukee, mm. and smoke a fat blunt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. Do, do you ever wonder which family member would go the slowest through a wood chipper? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I have. It's a good Thanksgiving topic, everyone. Just uh, remember that for dinner. Uh, <laughs> I think it's about time to bring the show for an end today. Uh, feel friend. To, feel friend. Feel friend. Feel your friends. Feel free to feel send those friends up. Yes. Feel free to send all your hate tweets to WTADP Podcast. That's WTADP Podcast. We will read all of them and nod along and probably respond because we're desperate. <laughs> if you hate us, you're probably right. True. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash We Talk About Dead People. We have just welcomed to our ranks several new patrons, and as such, our motivation is higher than ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to actually explain it this way. Our okay. Patreon account is not like these people give all their money and that's what keeps us afloat. It's more like a tip jar. If you listen to the mm. show regularly and you throw a couple bucks our way, it's like tipping your waiter, basically. Right. Except we don't feed you and we instead make you feel happy. Yes. Uh, and we don't make minimum wage. We literally we make no wage. We d- except the wages of sin, which is death. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so 50 bucks, 20 bucks, even as little as a dollar. As much as it costs to bomb Germany helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. Love that guy. Y'all, with all that being said, we'll close out and let the sound of drowning Mongols play you out. Oh. Ah! Precisely. Well, it's been a fun day, James, but I must go back to Texas. We're at the airport. Just get your stuff and get the hell out. You know, James, today's been great. I'm so glad I came up and recorded an episode with you. But, I gotta say... Uh Uh-huh. We should do this again soon. Dude, you ate all my Cheez-Its... You left your hair on my couch. We're not doing this again. Get the hell out of my car, on that stupid plane, head back to Alamo land, and get the hell out of here. But, James! You heard me. Alright. I'll go back to Texas. 20 hours away. 
This is like shooting old yeller, except I don't feel sad. <laughs> Finally, he's gone, and I can just relax and play my favorite Wii game, Newt Gingrich's Pony Adventure. Just relax. <sighs> oh no. Who is it? You know what I like to do? What do you like to do? Listen to podcasts. Ooh. Yes. Who would have known? Yes. There are three podcasts I've been listening to recently, which oh, yeah. I really like, and I want to recommend to everyone. Okay. Uh, because they don't have huge followings. Sure. Like um, us. Like us, yes. But we gotta we gotta say, give our dues to where they're due, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. We've been networking with a podcast called The Life of X, Ooh. which is a history podcast a lot like ours. Sure. Uh, they've covered, uh, the latest one I think was... Steve Jobs? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they do they do basically the same thing. They go through people's lives and talk about the their their whole, you know, course of life events, basically. Sure. Yeah. Nice. So Life of X, they got great cover art, that's for sure. Hmm. Um, the other one I want to talk about is the Secret Spice of Life. Ooh. Which, which is, is it's a it's different from ours a lot. Okay. Um, but it's basically uh, it's a couple of podcasters who interview people who have like found success in life. Oh. And they talk about their methods and their principles and that sort of thing. And uh, I listened to one episode. I can't remember which one it was. It was recommended to me by the podcasters themselves. I think it was episode 26. Okay. Um, and it was awesome. It was just them interviewing this uh, this guy who basically used a military code of some kind. Huh. Um, code of like code of like principles to essentially govern his life. Okay. Uh, and it was he was talking about the the effects that came thereof. So very disciplined, it sounds like. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But it's also it's also a lot like, you know, a lot of those success podcasts where they just talk to people who are successful. Sure. Um, and it's it's really cool. They interview all kinds of people. Um, so, yeah. So, needless to say, you and I will never be we on will, this show. We'll never, ever be on this show. Yeah. Uh, but it's called Secret Spice of Life. Secret Spice of Life. Yep. Give them, give them a listen. Give them a review. Hmm. Yeah, we'd appreciate it. We're networking with them, and I really like them. Okay, I'll but, check them out. Yeah. And then there's the last one, which is the Dark Divide Pod. Ooh. Which uh, is just a, it's a podcast, I believe, about true crime. The point is, I don't really know. But I did want to say one thing about them. And the num the thing I discovered is that right now the host's cat is really sick. Oh. Uh, and she needs to get uh, get operated on, but the podcast host can't afford it. Uh. So she's asking for some donations right now uh, through, I think, PayPal or something, and you can reach out and contact darkdividepod at gmail.com and ask them how you can give. Um, seemed really like they could really use the help, so I thought I'd give them a little shout-out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And unlike us, they probably love their cat. Yeah. So, yeah. go <laughs> do the Lord's work. Yes. Paul Revere that shit. Let's fix this cat. Let's save this cat, and let's save the world. Because if you save one cat, you save the catnip industry entire. I thought the show was over, but there's one other thing we need to do. Oh! Yeah. Patreon Q&A. But this week, we only have one question. Uh. And it's because I didn't announce that we'd doing another one. But this guy was a little late. He's a little late on last week's. Okay. So we're just going to cover it. Yeah. And William S. asks, 
Who's your favorite pirate? Mmm. Hoist the sails. Hoist the sails, indeed. My favorite pirate? Mark Zuckerberg. And why is that? Because he pirated smoked meats. Oh. That's, okay. Did you ever see that video? Nope. Of him trying Facebook Live? Oh, dear. He just talks about smoking meats for like an hour. Oh, And he keeps saying God. smoked meats. Smoking meats. It's awful. <laughs> All jokes <Why>? aside. <laughs> All jokes aside, favorite pirate? You know? Uh, hmm. I, I actually don't know that many pirates. I'm going to pause this. Why? Because oh, you don't know. I'm embarrassed. You're embarrassed you don't know any pirates? No, I know many pirates. Several pirates. My, uh, my favorite pirate is St. Nicholas. Uh, uh, <laughs> yep. Um, because he lives in the North Pole. Oh, and yes. if you remember, the North Pole is an island, sort of. Yes. And how does one get to an island? Piracy. If you're not a Mongol, that is. Oh. It's by boat. Yeah. Yeah. So that means he's got a boat, just like a pirate. Oh. Check one. The other similarity is he steals stuff to give it away. People think, oh, Santa gives away free shit. Nope, he steals it from Africa, <laughs> just like the rest of Europe. Oh and then he gives it away. So again, wow. pirate. Yes. And the third reason why Santa is definitely a pirate is because he only has one eye. What? It's true. No. <laughs> so an eye patch. Uh, because his other eye... Uh, he only writes in third person. So he never uses that eye. And he's a pirate. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So St. Nicholas. Good choice. Thanks, William S. Thanks, William S. Keep snaking along. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Yeah. Uh, I think to answer the question myself, mm -hmm. my favorite pirate is the Dread Pirate Roberts. Ooh, good question. I remember when Johnny Depp played that character. That was such a great movie. What was that called? The Princess of the Caribbean? Uh, I thought it was Moo Moo's Media Express. <laughs> that could just be my, uh, my other account name. Anyway. We have one more thing to cover. Oh, yeah? And I know I'm just like going on and on now. But That's fine. We have a new pledge Holy on Patreon shit. from that nobody I named a couple weeks ago, Brant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, Brent! It's a person I actually know. Good! And he's a super cool guy. Yes! And he goes, you called me a fucking nobody on your podcast. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> that was mean. Ah. It was mean. But it, it was, was mean. It was a jab. So, let's see. If we call people assholes, they give us money? Yeah, apparently. We're basically <laughs> American politicians. <laughs> yes, but thank you to Brant. Mm. And he shall reap the rewards thereof. Yes. Uh, and so and you shall reap. Y yeah. Mm. Um, there was one other thing. Well, while you're stuttering, I'm going to tell some <laughs> words to Brant. Okay. Brant, you saucy son of a bitch. <laughs> you got a great name. It's a great name. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. Oh, okay. Well, Brant actually uh, achieved the rank uh, on our on our tier Ooh. system of history buff. Ooh. Which means he gave $10 so or, or more per month. Jesus. Uh, and he gets to choose a historical quote oh for us to read on the air in the voice of his choice. Okay. What did he choose? Uh, he hasn't chosen one yet. Ah, God damn it, Brent, <laughs> you nameless asshole. <laughs> choose a dude. Send it to a... Not a dude. 
Uh, it could be a, what? Well, I, uh, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm an asshole. <laughs> Good enough. Choose some quotes for us to read in whatever voices you please. Yes. You can do one for each of us. I, yeah, I think that's, yeah that's a good idea. And then we can switch them off, see who's our better. Mm-hmm. Let the crowd decide, because mm-hmm. fuck democracy. Yeah. 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 Um, he also got access to bonus content. Oh, shit. And the gratitude of a thousand nations. Mm. Yes. And uh, thanks to him, our hosting costs are covered for this month. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, baby. It's that cheap. Mm-hmm. No, no. It's I just paid the, what is it, $120 a year for SoundCloud oh, yeah. Unlimited. So we're still in the red. <laughs> um, but we'll be fine. Well, yeah, we'll be fine. better red than dead. Better dead than red. Death is a preferable alternative to communism. True. Uh, okay. Yep. Thanks, Brant. That's all we got. Peace. Signing off, baby.